Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, believing it's not just about living longer, it's about living healthier longer. Providing medical diagnostics to help catch deadly or debilitating diseases early. You can learn more on proactive screenings at virtualimagingatl.com. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Guns, abortion, and the economy, they are some of the top issues we hear from candidates and voters. And it's what you're hearing on the campaign trail, too. Abortion and guns are the two most important issues to women. That's Shannon Watts, founder of Moms Demand Action during a campaign event in suburban Atlanta. Especially suburban women are historically swing voters. This week, Georgia's gun laws were blamed for the cancellation of Music Midtown, a major musical event in Atlanta. Atlanta City Council President Doug Shipman says there's nothing the city can do to keep guns out of public parks for events. Those state laws around guns have been written that preempt local officials from making any other decisions. Will issues like guns and abortion outweigh the economy among Georgia swing voters? I'm Susanna Capaluto, politics editor at WABE. I'm Emma Hurt, a reporter at Axios in Atlanta. And I'm Raul Bally, WABE politics reporter. Sam Greenglass is away on vacation, and this is Georgia Votes 2022, a campaign podcast from WABE. I vote because it's a privilege. I vote because I want to make an impact. I vote because I want leaders who care about Voting is the gift of freedom. So voting matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice. Rahul, let's talk about guns. You went to a campaign event recently with a high-profile voice on gun safety. So this was an event held in the suburbs of Atlanta at the home of Democratic State Representative Mary Robichaux. Her new district is 52 percent Biden, 48 percent Trump. So she's one of those handful of 50-50 seats in Georgia this fall. Her guest was Shannon Watts. That's the founder of Moms Demand Action. You may remember that was the group founded in 2012 in the days after Sandy Hook. Georgia is always an incredibly important state. Um, It helped us win the Senate, obviously, in 2021. And this issue was an issue that the senators ran on, the issue of gun safety. We're seeing more and more candidates run on it um, and, and, and feel very confident in doing what their constituents want them to do. Now, a couple of takeaways from this event. The folks in the gun violence space are energized. Uh, There were folks that stayed there to fill out postcards to send to voters, others who were making phone calls to voters. The other thing, like abortion, the gun issue can sometimes blur those lines between Republicans and Democrats in suburban areas. We talk about Republicans who support abortion rights. There are also Republican-leaning voters that are not as pro-gun. All of that being said, I do remind people that the pro-Second Amendment crowd is also energized after state Republicans passed permitless carry this year. 
Now, there was some interesting backlash on the cancellation of Music Midtown. North Carolina's governor, who is a Democrat, tweeted that he'd welcome the festival there. Now, North Carolina, mind you, is also a very gun-friendly state, but it does allow counties to regulate guns in public parks. That's something Georgia just doesn't do. So do you think the legislature could make changes next year? Is there even a chance of that? At the moment, I would say maybe. You know, one of the leading Second Amendment lawmakers at the Georgia State Capitol flatly said does not see this happening. Part of the reason is we've not directly heard from Music Midtown organizers about the reasons for the cancellation, and that gives them an opening to push back. But then I talked to another state lawmaker who's, who's heavily uh, an advocate for the Second Amendment, and that lawmaker says, you know, open to discussion about a carve-out. But if there is a carve-out, there has to be much more involved than just banning guns. There has to be significantly upgraded security. Everyone has to be checked. So I think there's going to be a discussion. If we see more music festival cancellations, I think that conversation is more likely at the Georgia State Capitol. Yeah, I was just I was going to say, like, we'll have to see how this plays out. And if there's a domino effect, if this is setting a precedent, then it could be a really big deal. Um, for Georgia's economy and for events like this. You know, the Nevada governor also joined North Carolina's governor to say, you know, he'd welcome the festival there. It's The whole thing is kind of reminiscent of the All-Star game when the MLB pulled that game, which was supposed to be here in Atlanta after the SB202, the big election law overhaul that Republicans passed went through and Republicans pushed back a lot. Other governors were like, come to us, all-star game. It's the same thing. And all of this is kind of a gift to Stacey Abrams, cynically, if you look at the politics of it. And she has made really aggressive use of this Music Midtown issue so far, pointing out that this is what she says is a consequence of Kemp's social agenda, that it's it has economic impact as well. And this really cuts into Kemp's argument about how, you know, his advantage is the economy and economic development. Now, also this week, there was a lot of attention, of course, on the primaries in Arizona and Missouri. And there was this ballot referendum in Kansas that seems to be all the talk in Georgia because it had to do with abortion. Raul, what happened there? So Kansas voters were presented a referendum that, if passed, would amend the state constitution to then allow state lawmakers the ability to add more restrictions to abortion. And I think the belief on both sides was that this was going to pass in in a relatively conservative Kansas, and it didn't. It went down pretty badly uh, by 58 percent of the vote the last time I checked. So... A lot of attention on, on what happened in Kansas had these conversations with multiple people, including Democratic candidate for Governor Stacey Abrams. In the state of Kansas, which is a very conservative state that overwhelmingly voted uh, for Donald Trump in the last election, they rigged the election in such a fashion. They set the election up to happen during their primaries. They set it up to happen in August when they have the lowest likelihood of turnout. The intention by Republicans was to change the Constitution of Kansas, which currently secures the right to an abortion for women because it is their freedom at stake. And they anticipated, based on a very poorly worded constitutional amendment, that they would be able to convince Kansans to 
overturn the constitutional right to an abortion, and overwhelmingly this was rejected. What that signals to us here in Georgia is that we have the same power. We are not a conservative, hyper-conservative state. We are a divided state, but that division disappears when you look at what's happening around the issue of abortion. And as we know, the Abrams campaign is actually already out with a memo about this Kansas referendum. The, the campaign loves memos and loves data, and it's fascinating for us to see their arguments pointing out that they think that this referendum is a bellwether for them and for Democrats around the country because it boosted Democratic turnout, they argue, in a relatively sleepy primary otherwise, and that some Republicans voted against the referendum as well. And those are two things that they're saying Georgia is even uh, more of a swing state than Kansas. Therefore, if that happens in Kansas, then that spells great things for our campaign in November. That's what they're arguing. Of course, the Kemp campaign, others are still very skeptical that this one issue could drive voters, especially in November in a couple months. But it's something that Abrams campaign is zeroed in on. But it will be fascinating, though, to watch what will motivate the casual voter to show up in November. And abortion access could be that motivation. I spoke to Dr. Charles Bullock, a UGA political scientist and longtime Georgia politics observer, and he said striking down Roe v. Wade could really help Democratic turnout. Taking something away that people had uh, is far more likely to motivate them than holding out the promise of something that they've never experienced and they might get. So, you know, removing access to abortion, which, you know, every woman of childbearing age in this country has lived her entire life with abortion being, you know, something that she could turn to if she needed to. So you take that away, and then it's not surprising that that has a strong motivating effect. And he also pointed out that polling has shown that the majority of Georgians think the six-week ban is too restrictive. Now, abortion rights groups will have the money here for ad buys and messaging. So I say get ready for it. Absolutely. And I mean, the Abrams campaign is already out with an ad about it. It's pretty powerful of a lot of women speaking directly to camera about abortion restrictions and blaming them squarely on Brian Kemp. It's an attack on the women of Georgia. Brian Kemp made abortion a crime before, before many women even know they are pregnant. Now, of course, the other side has a very different point of view. And I talked to Cole Musia, who's who's the president of Frontline Policy Council. Now, that's a conservative advocacy group that, you know, has a, a really good footing at the state capitol. And, and he looked at what happened in Kansas very differently. There's a lot of factors into why this, this, this went the way that it did. Um, there's lessons to be learned, but uh, folks that are trying to extrapolate this result and place it onto November are going to be sorely disappointed if they're in the pro-abortion crowd. Uh, this, is, this is a result that I think is unique to Kansas, um, and we're going to see in November uh, you know, pro-lifers turn out strongly and uh, strong results, particularly here in Georgia. What I'm curious about, has any of you had any luck getting an answer from Brian Kemp and where he stands on the issue of abortion access? Yeah, you know, I've asked Kemp about this recently, and he says that policy-wise, he's sticking with the existing ban that's on the books that he passed through in 2019, but maintains that his personal position is a total ban with an exception for life of the mother only. Well, let's take a break. I'm Susanna Capaluto, and this is Georgia Votes 2022. 
Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, providing proactive medical diagnostics to catch deadly or debilitating diseases early, using state-of-the-art equipment to detect warning signs or offer peace of mind. You can take charge of your health at virtualimagingatl.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Welcome back to Georgia Votes 2022, today with Rahul Bali and Emma Hurt. Let's get into the debate over debates again. Herschel Walker would not agree to three debates that Senator Warnock already agreed to. Instead, his team negotiated a fourth debate with the Savannah TV station, So what will happen? Will Warnock accept that debate? Will he say, I come to yours if you come to the three I agree to? What do you think? Yes, the debate about debates, it continues. It seems to never end. I wonder if it'll just keep going until October. Um, And it's interesting to watch the Walker campaign trying to flip this and say, now I'm challenging Warnock to a debate that's different from the ones that Warnock has, I guess, challenged Walker to. It's confusing, but I will point out You know, something I've heard in terms of the politics of this from the Herschel Walker campaign is it is noteworthy that this debate about debates has become the story. And all the other things that have been the story about Herschel Walker, you know, his his previously undisclosed children, his past false statements about graduating from college and being in law enforcement, like those are not at the top of the news cycle anymore. Everyone's just talking about the debates. That is true. Also, we got to look at some of the details in the Walker debate negotiations with the Savannah TV station. And one item that stuck out to me was that the candidates would not get the questions ahead of time, but they would get the topics. That sounds a little unusual to me. Right. I mean, as we know, I don't know of any debates where candidates are given any inkling of what will be asked in advance, including the Atlanta Press Club debate, which is one that Warnock has accepted and Walker has not. And, you know, Raul and I, Raul leads the committee on this, and I'm on the committee as well as a note of disclosure. Now, Emma, you have also been on the campaign trail. Talk about Georgia's second congressional district. Yes, I've been in southwest Georgia this week. Georgia's second is the only swing district in the state, and it's been held by Democrat Sanford Bishop for almost 30 years. He is a powerful congressman. He's chair of the Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee. He won in 2020 by 18 points. But this district has been redistricted, as everyone has, and this one has moved slightly to the right. And so Republican nominee Chris West sees an opportunity here, as do Republicans around the country. And um, I spoke with Chris West on the trail, and he points out that Sanford Bishop has never really had a well-funded and uh, formidable opponent. That's his argument, that the new district lines make this a new opportunity as well. And he is feeling really confident that this could be a seat to flip. Now, Sanford Bishop, as I mentioned, a very powerful lawmaker. He has a long-time relationship with the agriculture industry there, given his position, And he is going to be able to raise a lot of money. So this is something to watch, even though it's not, you know, in the Atlanta bubble that we normally spend a lot of time in. All right. And before we go, what will you guys be watching in the coming week? Well, for me, I'm going to be on the campaign trail. Um, One of the people I'll be following is Governor Brian Kemp. Also next week, I'm going to be watching what is supposed to be the first hearing on a state challenge 
to Georgia's six-week abortion ban. That's another thing that I'm going to be watching next week. In the Department of Hearings, we have two that are noteworthy. We have a slew of sentencing hearings for the the murderers of Ahmad Arbery down in Brunswick. This is not necessarily campaign politics, but it's notable. They're receiving federal sentencing on hate crimes charges on Monday. And then we have Lindsey Graham, who's beginning to fight his subpoena in the Fulton DA investigation into the 2020 election next week. Lots to watch. That's all the time we have for this edition of Georgia Votes 2022. Emma Raul, thank you for your time. Georgia Votes is a production of the WABE Politics Desk. Check out our other WABE podcasts, including Political Breakfast with Lisa Ram and TechCast with Emil Moffat. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at georgiavotes at wabe.org. I'm Susanna Capaluto. See you next week. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in a WABE Politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE Politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.